We want to welcome all of our listeners to another episode of Minority Report podcast with Eric and Carell. Each episode, we talk with leaders in business, tech, and media. And today's episode is sponsored by Publishers Clearinghouse, the leading media and commerce company serving America's heartland. Today, joining us is Kristen Carbone, who's the CEO of Brilliantly. Let's jump in and get to know Kristen. Kristen, how are you? Welcome. Great. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it and I'm excited to hear more about you guys and share more about what I'm up to at Brilliantly. Yeah, we're thrilled to have you. And for our listeners that don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about where you're from, a little bit about your family and where you were born and raised? Yeah, of course. So I grew up outside Buffalo, New York in a town called Williamsville. Super middle, middle class, had a lovely idyllic childhood. My high school even looks like a high school from a movie. Big pillars, very kind of silly. Spent most of my time, you know, hanging out with friends, goofing around, not being particularly academic until I got to college. Went to Skidmore College in upstate New York for art history and spent the first part of my professional life working in museums and with contemporary artists specifically. Really love that. Um, Miss it a little bit right now. One of the unfortunate parts about the area of New York State where I grew up is the cancer hotspot. My mom died from metastatic breast cancer about almost exactly 15 years ago. Mm. And brilliantly, the company that I started really is in response to my mom's experience and then my experience having a preventative mastectomy and reconstruction. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and and uh, I'm curious about you know, that experience, which is unique to you, unique to your family, but then also very much uh, something a lot of families and, and people go through. Can, can you tell us about, you know, how that impacts, you know, you and sort of like your identity and how your life is now after all of that? Yeah, of course. I think, you know, watching as a young person, my mom died when I was 23 and she was in her 40s. Watching that happen really changed how I thought about mortality and my life and my place in the world. And I've always really struggled trying to figure out a way to give back and do more and considered at one point going back to school to be a doctor, but that is certainly not my calling. I don't know that I would have done a lot of good in that space. And I think, you know, it took me a really long time meandering through different creative pursuits to end up building the company that I built. And I've realized, you know, that some of that is about my own grief and healing. And that it has helped me sort of process my story and what happened to me. I think in terms of having the preventative mastectomy, it's something that no one who looks at me would know, right? Like, I don't look sick. I I didn't have cancer. I didn't have treatment. Unless you were with me at that moment in my life in 2013, you wouldn't have even seen me really looking like I was suffering at all. And I assumed that having that kind of surgery would be an acute medical intervention and that I would never have to think about breast cancer or any cancer ever again. And that is, of course, not true. I just didn't know any other women who'd gone through it and didn't know what to expect. So the long-term living in a body that feels and looks really different from your natural body is a strange experience, kind of changes over time and how I think about what I look like and what I feel like and what it's like inhabiting a body that has implants, which are cold and hard and all kinds of adjectives that I don't think about, you know, they don't feel like they represent me as a person. So even when I think about them sort of conceptually, they feel strange, but it part of my life every single day in a way that I didn't think it would be. 
you know, uh, I want to ask you a little bit about your life. Can you tell us a little bit about your background, your culture, and where your family's from? Yeah, you know, my parents were married and happy until my mom passed away. And growing up in the way that I grew up, and I have two children now myself, I have really tried to purposefully expose myself to people who are living differently. And the moment of having my mastectomy and really needing to ask for help and needing community and support really changed how I thought about myself. Allowing, you know, I think especially women grow up feeling like they need to be able to do it all. And if you want, you have to just kind of stoically suffer through a lot of things. I I know there's men who feel that way too. I don't mean to make it so gendered, but the ask of so many of my friends and family to come and support me in the many different ways that I needed. And then accepting that help really changed who I was as a person. And you guys can see the listeners, of course, cannot that I am in this house. It's a big old two-family, three-story house. And during that time, for almost six months, people were living with us. And that kind of continued, actually. So that was seven years ago. And this has become a place where people kind of come and go, whether that's to have a mini artist retreat or to come and help me or because they're doing an elective. And I have a new perspective on community and nuclear family and what it means to raise children that's very different from how I grew up and how my parents raised me, but I think suits me in a new way. Can you tell us a little bit about that? That's fascinating. I, I think that's interesting. Yeah. So I I am no longer married. My I call him my former husband. Neither one of us like the term ex. We're very good mm-hmm. friends. And when he moved out in 2012, our kids were really little. They were one in three. And I think a lot of that first year being on my own, I was afraid to admit that I couldn't do it by myself. And it was when they were two and four that I had my surgery. And so it was this enormous gift to have other people here because being a parent and being a parent alone can be really frustrating. And things that maybe I would have gotten upset about or flustered by, having other adults around makes them funny. You know, there's things like take a crazy thing a kid does from like throw food on the floor to make a really terrible joke or have a tantrum. When there's other adults, you can all laugh together. Mm. And I think I realized that there were so many different ways that I could look at every situation Mm. and having different people here helping me raise the kids and imprinting on them and having community dinners and growing a garden and engaging in really interesting conversation with the people who were coming and going was so different than the way I grew up in a really nuclear, I have an older brother, mom and dad had a cat, you know, like sort of this very traditional way that was lovely, but also we didn't sit around and debate in the way that I do now and that my kids are privy to. And I think it's been an enormous opportunity for growth for me personally. That's great. I want to ask you about your career path and how you got started. Can you tell us a little bit uh, about that? How did you get started on your career path? Yeah, I've always been kind of a creative person. And my parents discouraged me from going to art school because like, what is an artist going to do was sort of what they said to me. And I decided I was going to go for art history. I was really lucky. The year I started at Skidmore, their museum, which is a really beautiful, amazing facility, opened that same year. And so I worked there as a student. The curator became my friend. I babysat for his kids. He's now the director. He helped me get 
an internship in an institution that didn't even have an internship program. Like all of these things in my early career really fell into place. And I ended up working at a really amazing museum called the Albright Knox, which has a great post-war abstract expressionist art collection. They're working their way into the contemporary scene as we speak. But I got to do things as a 21-year-old that were so completely different than if I had had a career in the arts in New York or in a bigger city. I left that job in the arts when my mom was really in her final months so I could be closer to her. I worked in a college guidance department at a high school in Washington, D.C., which was a very funny uh, blip in the radar in my career path, but really lovely. And there are young women from that time who I'm still in touch with every week. So that's been amazing. And then um, after my mom passed, I wanted to get back into the arts, worked with professors who wanted to curate exhibitions that were on subject matters, really made like some beautiful books, learned about chemistry, learned about the Hudson River, moved to Rhode Island and worked at the RISD Museum, which is a beautiful, amazing place too. Curated a show of local artists here. And through that experience, met some local artists that had a teaching practice where we did arts-based leadership training for executives. And so that sort of was the first thing that spun me out of the museum Mm -hmm. and into the public and doing public art and education. And I really realized that some of the discontent I felt working mostly as an academic in a museum was because I wasn't engaging with the public and there wasn't that dialogue that I was really hungry for. And I worked at a few small consulting agencies that were sort of either creative or arts-based since then. And I think what I've learned about myself, especially through Brilliantly, is that what really drives me isn't necessarily art or women's health. It's it's the human connection component. Awesome. Thank you for that, Kristen. And I, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about Brilliantly. Can you describe for us the products and services that that you offer? Yeah. So, you know, I mentioned before that I really, I didn't know any other women who had decided to have preventative mastectomies and I was totally unprepared for what my life was going to be like after and what I would feel like in my body and what to expect and not expect. And one of the things that I was really surprised by was that I feel cold all the time. So when you have implants without breast tissue insulating them, they act like a heat sink. Like if you can imagine just walking around water balloons in your shirt And going into an air-conditioned room or going outside in the winter, it's just pulling heat from your core all the time. Wow. And I never never asked a doctor. I don't know what your relationships are with your doctors, but sometimes it's really intimidating. And I, I felt like I got to make this choice about my health and that I should feel lucky. And that somehow in my forcing gratitude for my health and my life, I felt stripped of permission to ask questions about like, well... Can I find a turtleneck bathing suit? Like, how do I just completely cover myself up? Mm. I felt so strange. But the cold issue was one that I, it changed my life. I stopped playing outside with my kids. I stopped swimming in the ocean. I was really just so uncomfortable. And three years ago, three and a half years ago, I guess, tried to make something for myself. I have a friend who does special effects for movies and he helped me. Neither of us are engineers though, right? So we had this thing that actually would warm up and it fit into any one of my bras or like a sports bra, any kind of undergarment, but it was hooked to this huge drill battery. And I was like, all right, well, I still can't use that. And so in that moment, Brilliantly was really born. I realized I can't make a product unless there's a market for it. And spent the summer of 2017 talking to hundreds of women to one, find out if they were cold too, but also 
had just conversations about what it was like in their pre-vivorship, which is what they call women like me who've had preventative mastectomies Mm. or in their survivorship space and found out so quickly that there were all of these things that quality of life issues that weren't getting met by the medical community. And whether that was what it's like to date or how do you talk to your children about hereditary mutations or, you know, it's a huge financial burden for most people. So all of these things that kind of impact you over time, long after you're in the hospital or going to the doctor regularly and realized, you know, through those discussions with women that yes, we were going to make this product, which is about to launch. It's called Brilliantly Warm and it's now beautiful and controlled by an app and not a drill battery. And also started a portrait project where photographers and makeup artists donate their time to women, which of course isn't happening during COVID, unfortunately. But so many women said to me, they felt like they'd never feel beautiful again. And we wanted to give them an experience and documentation really showing them that they are beautiful. And we have a corrective exercise program for women who wanted to regain strength and mobility. And, you know, we're chipping away at a book project. There's a lot of exciting things happening behind the scenes, but really trying to fill gaps and not create any kind of competition necessarily, but amplify people who are doing really great things and where we see things missing, try to make them ourselves. Yeah. And and I would highly recommend anyone go to the website and check out the work. You don't necessarily just have to be sort of going through this experience personally to go there, right? You could know someone. Uh, it's a great place to get educated on these issues as well, too. So Kristen, I just want to congratulate you on the great work that you're doing uh, with the product, but also the content that you're producing too. I think it's very educational. Yeah, thank you. You know, we've done a series on hair regrowth. We've done a number of things about sexual health and wellness. I think to your point, there's a lot of things that are really just about the human experience and it doesn't have to be about cancer. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now you're the founder and CEO of the company. Have to ask you, what have you learned about being a CEO? Uh, (laughs) That's a really good question. So many things. Um, How much time do we have? I think it's really lonely. It's amazing. And I've learned more in the last three and a half years than any other time in my life times 10. But it feels like I'm pregnant with a company. I, I live and breathe this thing every day. Wow. That is the the first time, Eric. I think first one, first one, yeah. Once, yeah, yeah. Pregnant with the company. I'm only I'm the only pregnant CEO who's not yeah. really pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Well, you mentioned a few minutes ago that you have kids as well, too, right? So I have to ask you the work life balance question, especially in the year of 2020 when we're dealing with COVID and everyone's home, kids are home, parents are home. How are you dealing with all of that as well? And is there such thing as work-life balance? I think there's not such thing. But I also, you know, I've been on the road so much for the last three years, either fundraising, there's all kinds of reasons that I've been traveling events, Mm -hmm. what have you. And in the very beginning of COVID, I felt like this huge weight taken off my shoulders. Like, oh my God, if I can sit still. And I sort of was delighted about the extra time with my kids. Their school did a pretty good job with distance learning in the spring. And it was only three hours a day. So I would get up before them and work, but we would have breakfast together. They would do work. Then we would have lunch together and play games. And we started working out together. And I just sort of figured out this way to piece my schedule around their schedule, even though we were all home every day. This fall feels just 
really, really hard. The schedule for the kids has changed. They don't align. They're in fourth and sixth grade and like their lunches aren't at the same time. Their start isn't exactly the same time. The end isn't the same time. It feels like there isn't even a window of 90 minutes in any given day where I can just focus. There's like snack time and this time and that time. So I really currently feel like there's absolutely, there's no ending and there's no stopping and I could be doing work or doing stuff with them at any time of day. And it is completely overwhelming. I think any parent listening can probably empathize. Oh yeah. Uh, Eric and I are are both married with kids at home and we can certainly uh, empathize with that. You mentioned being on the road and fundraising. I want to ask you about your experience there because you know we read so much about how underrepresented founders, whether that be women, people of color, LGBTQ plus community, have a hard time raising money or have a harder time raising money than say a white man, right? And so I'm curious to know from your perspective, what has been your experience in terms of raising money and have you run into any issues that you think you either didn't get funding or someone made a comment to you that was, you know, not an appropriate comment to make because you are a woman? Yeah, I mean, I love men. And I, I, there are some amazing men helping me with this product and through this entire journey. But I have to say, I've never been more disheartened than during my time fundraising. I was invited to do a pitch that was like, there was a whole audience and it was like 120 people. There were probably only eight women in the room. And at the end of it, the man who invited me to pitch came up and he said, great job. And I said, thanks. I really enjoyed that. And he said, I told everyone who organized this event that we had to have at least one person with tits up there this year. And I was like, should I just send you like a speaker's fee? You know, like I knew before that I didn't fit with their investment profile. I knew they weren't going to invest in me, but I felt like I was invited. It was the right thing to do. But then to be called upon to be the woman or, you know, to be the minority person, you know, like it just feels bad. And I think I've turned money down also from people who wanted to invest, but I could tell from talking to them that they just weren't a good fit, whether that was Googling them and finding out they had a past of sexual harassment that was really egregious or, you know, just courting investors is like dating. And I don't want to marry somebody who feels bad on the first date. Mm. So I've come up against all kinds of things I'm validating the statistics out there about how difficult it is and have joined forces with other female founders to fundraise together as a cohort with this really cool new platform called She Transacts. But I think I feel really committed to being part of the tide change. I am actively looking for founders or for investors who are women and people of color because I want to work for them. I want to make them more money. I want those people on my board because I think the more, even if it's slower or it's smaller checks, it's going to help with this tide change and shift of the power dynamic that we are so desperately in need of. Kristen, I want to ask you about some of your mentors and folks in your life who've really made an impact. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the people in your life, both professionally and and also personally that have made an impact? Yeah, I feel so incredibly lucky actually the last three years 
I've learned more people love me than I could ever imagine. The first thing I did after doing all that market research and talking to those women over the summer of 2017, I made a list of everything I wasn't good at, which is a pretty long list. And then the people who I know who are good at those things or do them professionally and asked them to come to a brainstorming meeting at my house. And we had a really delicious dinner and I made a really shitty PowerPoint. And I was like, (laughs) this is what I want to do. I don't know how to even use PowerPoint. I don't know how to start a business. And that was the beginning of me having an advisory board. And there have been people who have been volunteering their time for 3 years plus now, helping me think through every single part of the business from product development through marketing and content creation. And some of those relationships ebb and flow and some of them were really unexpected and people have come out of the woodwork to help me. So I think in terms of mentors, there's women who I look to who are a few years ahead of me as founders who help guide sort of the business development process. And then people who are just friends who are like crushing it in sales in another industry, but have been advising me on how I can do that well too. The group is too big to name by name. And I would hate to even start and then forget someone. (laughs) Um, But there is an army of people behind me, even though I look like just this solo female founder. I would say personally, there are also... There's a core group of people, including my ex-husband, who do everything they can to help support me and in every way that I need from helping me with website updates to watching the kids to just giving me a day off if I need a break. The owner of this house is the friend who helped me make the very first prototype. He's a constant sounding board. He also has a technical background. So sometimes he explains things to me that I'm confused about with my own product. But yeah, I think letting go of my ego and, and asking all of those people to kind of come on this journey with me and help me has been just so incredibly rewarding. You know, Kristen, you, you talked about, you know, a, a really awkward situation, an uncomfortable situation. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people who are sometimes like put in that position. Can you talk a little bit about what ways that there could be improvements on inclusivity and how to sort of change even that that experience that that you went through? Any Any advice you could pass along? Yeah, it's such a hard topic, right? Like, I think I've been trained to be gracious. Like I would never confront someone who said something crappy to me. And in that moment, I laughed. Like I totally let that man off the hook. Um, And I know that that's my default. Very early on, I had someone who wanted to be an advisor. And I texted a thank you after a meeting and was like, I appreciate your time. And he said, how about next time I give you advice? It's while we're naked in bed. And I also made a joke to respond to that. And I think I did myself such a great disservice by allowing that to happen and not calling it out. But I think I felt vulnerable, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. my business. It's my baby. I just told these people all about what I'm doing and sort of the under the hood view. I was afraid somebody was going to take it, which I now know is absurd. Like, And also if they wanted to, like, let's do this. So I think a big piece of advice that I would give people is don't be quiet about it. Nothing's going to change if we all pretend like it's not happening. Yeah, that's awesome. Kristen, what are some sources of inspiration for you? Right? What are you drawing inspiration from today that sort of carries you through? Yeah, well, two things. And I would say they're both sort of the foundation of both of them are in community. One is the networks of female founders that I'm part of. So I don't ever feel like 
so isolated in my own struggle and where we're sharing our stories and our struggles and our victories. And then knowing that I can work towards those positive things and maybe avoid some of the negative ones is really helpful. But I would say, you know, specifically with Brilliantly, I'm engaging every day with women who've been through either an experience like I've been through or one like my mother's been through. Mm. And it's so validating to do, you know, like an event and hear from the women who went to it. Or when we did our user testing a year ago, there was a woman who put on Brilliantly Warm and actually cried. And she said, this is the first time I felt comfortable since I've had surgery. And just that woman, I think about her almost every day. And like, if I can make her feel better, I feel good about the last three years. So, you know, it, this is a mission-driven business for me personally. And that keeps me going. Awesome. Awesome. Kristen, what advice would you give to any woman that's out there that's listening, that has an idea for starting their own business, but just needs to, some motivation to take that next step? Yeah, I would say first ask for help. Like people want to help other people. Women who've been through it want to help you. You will have an army of people behind you if you ask for that. And also it's going to take a lot longer and a lot more money than you can ever imagine. And to be patient because it can get really frustrating when you have an expectation about something and it just keeps taking a little bit longer and a little bit longer. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Now a fun question. I love asking every guest that we have on the podcast, give us the top three apps that you use on your phone, but you can't name email, text messaging, or calendar. That is a hard one. Can I show you my phone? I know I know your audience won't be able to see this, but I don't really use many. Like, um, it's too bright. I only have maybe like 12 on here. Oh. So I use my white noise app a lot. There's a toddler who lives below me. So that is something that is my friend between the hours of 2 and 5 a.m. Which one are you picking? Like uh, airplane cabin noise or... No, I pick... What are you, what are you picking? It's called... Heavy rain. Oh, heavy rain. Nice. Yep. I like it. <laughs> we do a lot on social media. I don't know if that's a cheat, but I end up using Instagram and Facebook quite a bit to communicate with the women in our community. Mm-hmm. And then I also do quite a bit of writing. And so I have the Medium app on my phone. I try to put something out into the world that's not about breast cancer and not about brilliantly at least once or twice a month because... Maybe a year ago, I started to feel really flat. And there was only one version of myself that was out there in the world. And I was hungry to kind of communicate the other parts of me. And so Medium is the other app that I use pretty regularly. Gotcha. Yeah, you are right. You do a lot of writing. You try to put out two pieces a month. Wow, that's nice. Impressive. (laughs) Well, I don't know. Maybe you should read them before you can (laughs) take me on it. (laughs) Sometimes they're very silly. Kristen Carbone, thank you so much for hanging out with us. It's It's been uh, a lot of fun. And a lot of times our listeners like to stay in touch and want to learn much more about what you've been talking about. What are some ways that they can stay in touch with you and where they can find you? Yeah, thank you. I would love that. I always love to hear from people. You can reach out to me directly. I'm Kristen at brilliantly.co if you want to send an email. We're also on Instagram as brilliantly.co, same with Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever platform is your favorite. And our website is brilliantly.co. And I really do, I respond to any messages personally. So if you have a question, 
you're looking for, you're a woman who's newly diagnosed or looking for someone to talk to who's been through an experience similar to you, that is a service I'm more than happy to provide. Or if you have an idea or can't find something, love to be connected. So thanks. Thanks both for having me. It was great chatting. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us again. And a big thanks again to our sponsor, Publishers Clearinghouse, the leading media and commerce company serving America's heartland. We're so grateful for them supporting the podcast. And you can find more episodes where you find all of your audio and video. Just search Minority Report Podcast and look for the logo. Thanks again.